you have your Bibles, would you turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. If you don't have your Bible or if you like me have a hard time reading without your glasses, we got it up here. And we're going to go right now. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and he cast it in thither. And the iron did swim. He asked him, Where did you lose it? And that's how we're going to get it back. Now I want you to go to Joel, or they can just put Joel up, and Nicole will just put Joel 225 up, and we'll just leave it up the remainder of the service, sis. And I will restore unto you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. I want to preach on the power of restoration this morning, the power of restoration. And to me, this is one of the most powerful scriptures that is in this Bible. I believe that the Word of God has the ability to touch. I believe it has the ability to change and speak to us right where we are. And here we have a direct promise from God Almighty that said there is no life that He cannot restore. I don't care where you sit on life's journey today, what battles you face, what struggles you're going through, the God of this house has the ability to bless you anyhow. What I love about my God is he doesn't have to ask for permission of those that don't like you. Somebody should have said praise Jesus right there. He doesn't have to ask the outlaws and the in-laws of your life if it's okay if he blesses you. In fact, my God says when you come in contact with him, if he be for you, who can be against you? The God that we serve and the reason we worship him like we worship him is we believe he specializes in broken lives and shattered people. We believe that there's not a case that our great physician would look at and say, I've got nothing for him. We believe that there's not a person so far gone that our God's mercy can't bring them back. We believe that there's not a person so broken that he cannot heal and fix them. If I'm right about it, go ahead and give him a praise right now. Here God speaks to a shattered Israel and said, I know you've been through it, but I'm going to restore you. Now let's be honest, have you ever been through stuff in life and you made it through it, but it took something out of you? You're still breathing, you're still alive, you still, you still know there's a God, but deep down, you ain't got it like you used to have it. I talked to Mikey uh, before church today and we talked about battles. And sometimes battles have a way of taking stuff out of you you used to have. And you're still coming to church and you're still praising God, but if you'd be real honest, you'd say, I've, I've lost some stuff along the way I may not feel like I used to feel if you've ever after Carlene made me do that 4.2 mile run that Grayson's boyfriend about killed me on and you need to ask for salvation Aaron after um after I did that run I made it through the run yes I did but I tell you what Kenny I lost something along the way I lost half a lung somewhere out there and sometimes when you've been through some stuff you might make it through it but it took something out of you you ain't got the joy you used to have, the victory that you used to have. The power of our God is he says, I don't care what you've been through and what they did to you, I can restore even the years that the canker worm and the locusts have eaten. Because sometimes when you go through a bad season that lasts a long time, say you were serving God and in your mid-twenties you quit serving God and for 20 years you live like a heathen. Then you come back to God broken and, and messed up and God saves you. God says, I have the ability to add back to you 
all the time you lost. It may not mean he's going to add 20 years on to your life, but what it does mean is for the remainder of your life, he's going to go ahead and give you everything you should have got them 20 years. You should have been serving him. I dare you to praise God if you think he's that big and that powerful and that awesome. The devil don't want you to hear what I'm about to spit out my mouth this morning. He wants you to think you lost it and there ain't no getting it back. With my God, there's always a comeback. There's always a way back into that perfect will, into that perfect plan that God Almighty had for you. But here's the deal. If you want what you lost, you got to be willing to go back to what you left. Here's where we miss it. I'm going to say it again. If you want what you lost, you got to go back to where you left. And here's where the modern church is right now. We know we've lost the power. Many churches, many believers, many people. We know we've lost the presence if we want what we lost, we're just not willing to go back to what we left. And what we left is what, we, what gave us the power in the first place. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if I leave my prayer, his power is going to be lost in my life. If I leave my praise, his joy is going to be lost in my life. So if I want my power back and I want my joy back, I got to go back to praise and I got to go back to prayer. If you want what you lost, go back to what you left. And that's the preaching that nobody wants to hear in a lot of circles right now. Because we won't preach, you're going to get back what you lost. You're going to get back what you lost. If you're going to get back what you lost, you've got to go back to where you left it. The Bible talked to a church that had left it in the book of Revelation. And God said, I want to give it back to you. But if I'm going to give you back what you lost, you've got to go back to where you left. It's called the first love principle. The Bible said that in the last day the love of many would wax cold and now you've got people that come to churches and they weep and they cry and they say, I want what I lost. But to get what you lost, you gotta go back to where you left it. See, the reason I have a great marriage with my wife and I know I drive her crazy, but as we spend a lot of time together, we, we, anytime we get a chance to be together, we are together. I drive her crazy. But now, and because of that, we reap the benefits of a good marriage. Carlene said it's been the happiest eight months of her life. But now, if I were to leave the principle of us spending time together, I'm going to lose the, the blessing of intimacy that I have with her. And what you've got is you've got a lot of people now that want the blessing. But they've left what they had that produced it in the first place. And I feel the Holy Ghost in here saying, I want to give you back what you lost. But you got to go back to where you left it. I'm talking to the church right now. And I want to go back to where I wanted to pray. Where I wanted to go up on the mountain and seek the face of God. Where it wasn't a hard thing to read the word of God. That I crave, do I have anybody that wants to be on fire for Jesus again? That wants to see a nation turned upside down. Whoa! A lukewarm church is a powerless church. Just like we got football players in here, a lukewarm football team is a powerless football team. A lukewarm rock band is a lukewarm, nobody's going to come listen to them. Because one thing moves people, God uses is the passion of people. And if the enemy can sedate the church to where they're in a lukewarm state, we come into church, but we ain't expecting nothing. We're carrying our Bibles, but our Bibles no longer carry us. 
And when we get into a predicament like that, uh, you go through the motions, but you say, I've lost something along the way. And here's the deal. God never leaves. God is where God has always been. So if there's been a moving, it's not been of God, it's been of me. And sometimes when I check my life, if I feel like I'm missing some peace and I've lost my peace, I know I need to go back to studying the word of God and change what I'm listening to. But I cannot demand what I've lost if I'm not willing to go back to where I left it. What I feel God doing in this service is bringing his children back into a place of safety, back into a place of peace, back into a place of preservation. God wants to do that for each and every one of you. But it is, it's, the, it's the trial of life and the trick of enemy, the enemy. So many times that gets people in church and we become sedated. We become sedated and we, we're numb and we're going through the motions. But think back to when you used to crave God. Think back to when you were so on fire that nobody had to ask you if you were saved. They knew that you were saved. Think back to the time that when you got bad news, the first thing you thought about doing wasn't medicating yourself, but it was praying to God. I've seen people that somewhere along the journey, they lose sinner. It's not that they're not saved. It's not that God doesn't love them. But somewhere along the way, they lost something that they need to get back. Maybe I'm preaching to some people this morning that have lost something that you need to get back. So I got to start it off by telling you this. We believe that our God can get you out of anything. God got Jonah out of the belly of a whale. God got Moses through the Red Sea. God got Joshua through the Jordan. God got Lazarus out of the grave. I can't get no help in here. God got Elisha out of an army of thousands. God can get you out of anything. You're depressed, God can get you out of it. You're addicted, God can get you out of it. Your marriage is struggling, my God can get you out. I wish I had about 20 people that would give God a prayer if you knew he could get you out of anything. I'm telling you, there ain't a situation you can bring to me that would say God can't get you out. God can get you out of anything. He's, that's, that's the God he is. That's the way he moves. That's why if you don't understand somebody's praise, it's because you probably don't know what God got them out of. You probably don't know what God did for them. But anytime I leave my place, I'm not preaching to you now. I'm going to preach to me. I know what it's like to, have you ever just went through a season in life where you, you're enduring things that you used to enjoy? Has that ever happened to anybody but me? See, one thing I've always, there's a lot of things I love to do, but one thing I've always loved to do is preach. I love to tell people the good news. It wasn't something I endured. It was something I enjoyed. But I went through a season of just getting my nose busted and going through stuff and all that stuff. And I just kept preaching. I just kept going. But one day I woke up and I realized I was still doing it. But I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I didn't get fired up about it like I used to. And so now I'm on autopilot and I'm enduring something that God called me to enjoy. See, you may be enduring your marriage when God called you to enjoy it. You may be enduring a blessing in your life when God says if you would bring me back to center, you wouldn't just be enduring it. I would put a blessing upon you and you would begin to enjoy it again. Enjoy raising your kids. Enjoy worshiping your God. But when you go through stuff, everybody just say stuff. 
When you go through stuff and you don't deal with it and you let it move you off center, there'll come a point in your life you'll realize I'm enduring things that I used to enjoy. I'm preaching to some people right now that are enduring some things that they used to enjoy. Anytime, if you've got leaving on your mind, you've got losing in your future. Anytime the devil tries to get you to leave a blessing, what he doesn't tell you is if you leave that blessing, there'll be a loss in the future. If I leave my good place with my wife right now, what the enemy wouldn't show me is somewhere down the road I'm going to lose everything that ever mattered to me. And the enemy, he'll try to get leaving on your mind. I'm preaching by the Holy Ghost right now. He'll try to get leaving on your mind. I just need to quit church. I just need to run from this man. I just need to run from this woman. I just need to get out of this situation. The enemy, anytime you're in a blessed place, there will always be warfare that accompanies it. I have always found that anything worth anything is worth fighting for. If you got a family, fight for it. If you got faith, you need to fight for it. If you have a relationship with the Lord, you need to fight for it. Is there anybody that believes it's still worth fighting for. That's why Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I have found something that's worth the fight. I said I found something that's worth the battle and I'm not backing down and I'm not quitting. Do I have anybody that came to fight this morning? It's something valuable. I won't fight you over a lot of things. I won't. John will. I don't have to. I'll sick him on you. I won't fight you over a lot of things. But if I love something, I'll fight for it. I'll fight you over the future of my children. I'll fight for the relationship I have with my wife. I'll fight for my place in God. Those are battlefields worth dying on. What I see many Christians messing up in right now in this hour is you're fighting on the wrong battlefield. Dying on the wrong mountain. I ain't fighting on Facebook. That ain't my battlefield. I ain't fighting on social media. That ain't my battlefield. Woo! I ain't fighting battles that ain't gonna get me nowhere. But if you mess with me and my God or me and my family, I'll roll up my sleeves, baby, because that's a battle worth fighting. Don't waste your effort, your energy, and your anointing fighting battles that don't even matter. Worrying about things that two years from now you won't even remember. But when it's something precious, when it's something that makes you who you are, when it's something that gives you hope in the morning and joy in the evening, that's something worth fighting for. Your relationship with the Lord is something worth fighting for. The Bible called it the pearl of great price. Now if I... Carlene had a little counterfeit ring one time when we was uh, first married, and it was forty dollars. You know, she lost it; wasn't no big problem. But one time, Mama thought she lost her an the anniversary ring I got her. I come home; couches were upside down, refrigerators were pulled out. I thought we had been robbed. I said, "What is going on?" She said, "I can't." find my 10 year anniversary ring and she went through everything because that was something of great value see there's some stuff you're going to lose along the way just let it go ain't worth your time effort and energy but when it's something precious 
You need to seek it out and you need to find it. The Bible talked about a woman that had 10, 10 pieces of pearl and she lost one and she took a broom and she swept the house looking for the one piece that she had lost. Naomi was a woman that left the place of blessing. And after 10 years of leaving the place of blessing, she lost her husband, she lost her two sons, and she stuck with her daughter-in-law. And now if she's ever going to get back what she lost, she realizes she has to go back to where she lived. All through the Bible, you can find this principle. Jacob finds his family in trouble because his sons had killed a group of people in Shechem and now they're wanting to kill Jacob and his family. Jacob don't know what to do and God comes to him and he said, you need to return to where you left. You need to come back to Bethel. Abraham took a trip, the Bible said, down into Egypt and when he went down into Egypt, his wife got in trouble, his family got in trouble and it looked like the promise of God was on lockdown and God said, Abraham, you just need to come back to where you left. I'm preaching about right now all through the Bible God always said you can come back home and I just want somebody to know today you can come back home just ask the prodigal he found himself in a pig pen but he knew he had a father that would always let him come back home if you know God will bring you back I dare you to praise him if you know you ain't went too far I dare you to praise Woo! and always come back home. There ain't nothing my kids could do. I might beat them when they get there. But they can always come home. All through the Bible when people, Samson was somebody that he went through a tough season. Somebody's went through a tough season in here. I found out tough seasons don't kill the people of God. They don't. It's what you get connected to in the tough season that tries to follow you into the good season. See, let's say I go through a season of, of just great uh, a battle, adversity. And that's what me and Pastor Mikey were talking about. It ain't just one thing that comes at you many times. It's many things that come at you. That's a tough season when that happens. What you've got to be real careful when you go through a tough season is what you get connected to. Because I've seen people go through a tough season and they were fine, and they were, but they went through a tough season and they got addicted to something to help them get through the season. And then the season ended. But the addiction hung around like, like something on their hip pocket. you got to hear me now. I've seen people, they go through a tough season and they get connected to the wrong person. Everybody needs to hear me on this one. And then the, the lonely season ends. The tough season ends because seasons don't last always. Say amen, somebody. And the season ends, but then that, that toxic person they got connected to, now they're following them into the good season. And they find out they're poisoning their good season. Something that they picked up, a habit they picked up, a struggle they picked up in a bad season. Now it's trying to follow them around everywhere they go in life. Y'all looking at me kind of cloudy right now. Do y'all know where I'm coming from? I think I'm preaching so good it's actually hitting you right where it needs to hit you. Because I know what it's like to go through some bad seasons, get connected to some wrong folk, and then the season changing, and then them wrong folk looking at you like, I'm going to mess up your new day. I'm going to mess up the new thing God is doing in your life. And you're thinking, oh, my God, what? Samson got in a bad season, and he got connected to a woman named Delilah. And when he got connected to Delilah, the Bible said he began to lay his head in her lap. No longer was he consulting with God. He began to consort with a, with a Philistine woman who didn't even love or believe in his God. And when he began to lay his head in her lap, he began to put his entire destiny in danger. When you put your head in the lap of the wrong person. 
When you begin to let other people control how you think and how you see the world, you are getting ready to get removed from something that God Almighty have. Be careful who you allow to speak into your mind. Samson allowed this woman to speak into his mind in a bad season. And you know what happened to Samson? He lost some stuff. The Bible said the Philistines were up on him. He didn't know while he was sleeping she'd cut off his hair, Josh. She had stripped him of the thing that made him different. And when he awoke and she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon thee. The Bible said he knew not that the Spirit of God had departed from him. It's a sad day in the church when we don't even realize that we've lost his spirit. It's a sad day when we can go through the singing and the preaching and the clapping and the praising and not not even realize that God didn't even really show up. I can't get no help in here. Do I have anybody that says I want Jesus at the center? I want to make Jesus comfortable at the church because if Jesus shows up, the broken will come and the hurting will come. We've got a modern day church climate that's so concerned with making people comfortable that we don't do what we used to do that made God comfortable. It used to be, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men nigh unto me. Jesus said, you lift me up, I'll do the drawing. And I know there's different ways to, to preset for all my educated theological brothers out there. But the point is this. When we put Jesus at the center, he's going to draw people. But now you've got churches that say, well, we better not praise too much. It may make uh, the, the politicians nervous. It may make uh, the, the businessmen nervous. It may make our big tithers nervous. It may, we want to make sure everybody's comfortable so we won't, we won't preach on the blood anymore because that might offend somebody who has a squeamish stomach. And We won't preach on this anymore because that person's been through something they might think we're talking about them. And by the time we've done, we've so whittled down the word of God that it's lost its sharpness to penetrate the hearts of men. When it, Really, if you want to see a move of God, forget about everybody else and say, what does God want in this service? What is God looking for right now? I talked to a pastor friend of mine, and he's a Pentecostal, tongue-talking, pew-walking, Bible-packing, devil-smacking man. He's awesome. And he's a, he's a pastor. And he just he started, and he's doing great in the church. But the problem is he has a group of people that they come to his church, and they want him to shout the whole service. And they want everybody to run the aisles the whole service. Well, you know, you, you don't need to be crazy. I'm just going to leave that there. But he has another group of people that they wouldn't know a move of God if it smacked them upside the head. And they just want him to give them a cute little sermon and not get too loud and make sure the church don't last more than an hour. And the Spirit of God began to deal with me and let me see the pressure he was under. I understand that pressure because I've been in that same pressure cooker. Every service, I'll have some people that think I need to run and just throw oil on everybody. Ain't going to happen. And I got other people that want me to stand up here and just act like Charles Stanley. Ain't going to happen. And so I called this pastor and we're talking and I said, listen, you've got one group. He didn't tell me, I told him, that wants you to be this way. I said, right? He said, man, you're reading my mail. I said, but you've got another group that sits on the other side and they want you to be this way. He said, man, you're right. I said, God wants me to tell you something. He said, what's that? I said, ignore both of them and just do what God called you to do and the people will keep coming. I believe that with everything in me, that if he be lifted up, he will continue to draw all men. That if Jesus be praised, if the word be preached, the works will always follow. I believe that with everything in me. The Bible talked about a man in 2 Kings chapter 6, that he was connected to the prophet. They wanted to go to a new place, and they took axe heads like this one. This is my throwing axe. 
Don't worry, I ain't going to throw it. But uh, I, I'm just ignorant. I just do crazy stuff. I like throwing stuff, riding motorcycles. I ain't never grown up. Never, never will. But he had an axe about like this right here. He had an axe. And he was chopping out a new place for the prophets to dwell. The, the prophet had given them the blessing, Elisha. But somewhere along the way, see, he had borrowed this axe head. It wasn't his. And back in that day, metal, especially sculpted metal, was a precious material, Luke. And he had this, this looks like it come off the show, The Vikings, don't it? Y'all been watching Vikings? You need to repent. Anyhow, had this axe head, and he's chopping, and he's chopping. But the thing about an axe is this. If you don't take time to sharpen it, it gets dull. Me and Lee died, we used to go up in the evenings, and I'd borrow Dad's chainsaw, and he'd borrow a chainsaw, and we would chop wood, and we would sell it to cousins. That's what we did when we first got married. We'd work all day, and then we would chop wood and sell it to cousins, $50 a load. And Dad told me, he said, don't put it in the dirt. He just got it sharp, and, man, it was just chopping stuff so easy. I mean, it was just like cutting through it like butter. And I let it go too far through the wood, and it got into the dirt and rock. And you know what? That chainsaw didn't cut good no more. And what could have been an easy job turned into a torment, all because what I was using to cut through got dull. And see, if you keep on hammering on something that's dull, something's got to give sometime. The enemy loves to make your relationship with the Lord dull. The enemy loves to make your relationship with your wife or your husband dull. The enemy loves to take things you used to enjoy and make them something you begin to endure, and then, they're, then, then, it, then it's tough. This young man, he's working, he's chopping, he's, he's cutting, and all of a sudden the Bible said that the... Axe head flew off. Now you got this. And not only does it fly off, but it flies into a river. And now he's left 